we're going to talk about the young lady who said those words originally. But before we do, I've got, first of all, get the Bible. We do use those. I don't read mine on my phone. I decided to download it and have a printed form. So I've got that. But before we get started, just to remind the ladies that are watching, many of you are lacking community and have for the last couple of years or even longer as churches have broken up and shut and argued and COVID and all the other. You can have community here, uh, the same community that was talked about by uh, Brett and Wendy with uh, everybody coming together, the community you've seen with us already with Epaphras in Tanzania, who has checked in, by the way, already alive and is watching with us. Hello, brother. They have a special event here, uh, the ladies do, called Hearth and Harvest. Uh, the theme is Refilling Your Cup. It's Friday evening, September 30th. We'll be hosting a combined, uh, they call it a place at the table. They have uh, ladies groups in the area. But it'll be combined with all the local table groups and any visitors who want to travel and be here on September the 30th. Dinner is going to be here uh, 6 to 8. There are a lot of details on our church website. Shuttles will bring you here to the soundstage. Registration is at OurSafeHarbor.com. OurSafeHarbor.com. It is very easy this year. Now, some of you may have tried to register last year and it just got all jumbled. Well, we learned. And so we have jettisoned all the jumbling. It is much easier. There is no cost for the event. You are welcome to join us. And some of you can join us online and some will be here. Saturday's program will be online and here. Local attendees should show up here around 9 o'clock or a little bit before if you could. Online attendees can tune in at 9 o'clock and the program itself begins at 9.15. Uh, the morning live stream shuts down around noon. Uh, those in person, however, stay for lunch. Stay for more community. Uh, again, you can register for all of this on OurSafeHarbor.com. No charge. Uh, they've even got the menu here, which looks wonderful for ladies' days because it's healthy and stuff. Uh, but I, we would love to have you here, but we do need to know you're coming. So please register. With that said, are you seated comfortably? Then I'll begin. This is the story of Mary. There are a lot of Marys in the Bible, but this is about the most famous of them all, the mother of Jesus. And it isn't even Christmas. And here we are reading out of Luke 1. Well, traditionally, Protestant and independent churches have not said much about Mary. And I think that's probably an overreaction to the veneration of Mary in Roman Catholic and Orthodox churches. They venerated her so much that, and to and so, such a high place that to those of us outside those traditions, it certainly looks like you've made her more than human, almost godlike. But then again, should we react against that to the point where we don't tell Mary's story? And we don't really take a good look at her and show her the honor that she absolutely is due. Since early Christians, uh, they have venerated Mary. People have. In fact, some of that came from God himself. Did you hear what the angel Gabriel said to her? That she was chosen among all people. That she was highly regarded. That she was pulled out for this task. So God himself showed Mary great respect, even though Mary 
would not have been much older than the girls that read to us. And when I say your your little girls, no disrespect is meant in that at all, ladies. It is, I I want to make sure people understand that God has always heard the voice of little girls as much as he has heard the voice of old men. And sometimes he has listened to them and given them remarkable, universe-altering jobs that they did well. Whenever God announced to Mary that she was now pregnant with the Messiah, the power of the Holy Spirit, he praised her. So early Christians praised her. And they attributed to her every good and perfect quality. And because she gave birth to Jesus, who was a son of God, and they are forever co-equal with God, by the 5th century, people were calling Mary the mother of God. And the Catholic Church over the years has increased the number of her titles and her status, repeatedly saying that, no, she's even better than, than you think. To the point where by the time we hit the year 1000, they were teaching that she herself was also born of a virgin, and that she remained a virgin forever, and that she was also assumed into heaven, although after death, her body was taken up. They call her Blessed Mother, the Mother of God, Saint Mary, Our Lady, the Queen of Heaven, and the God-Bearer. Are you ready to be surprised? They also call her that in Islam. The Muslim people have long regarded Mary as a very special individual. There in Aramaic and Hebrew, she's also known as Maryam or Miriam. They call her Our Lady. And in fact, the only, she's the only woman they call Our Lady. They call their prophets Our Lord. They put her on that level. She's called Tahira, which means one who has been purified. In the Quran, they only have two people who ever lived who have never touched, been touched by sin. Mary. And you think I'm going to say Muhammad, but no, Jesus. It's very, they're, they're very much lifted up there. In the Hadith, which is a collection of sayings of Muhammad collected long after his death, we don't get that kind of good treatment. It's in the Quran that you get this. Muslim teach, Muslims teach not only that she was un, uh, untouched by evil, but that her story is so important, two chapters in the Quran are titled the story of Mary and her family. They, um, she's mentioned in the Quran more often than she's mentioned in the Bible. That should surprise you. But it also should make you think, maybe we should pay attention a little bit more to her. After the first century, many books and stories were written about her, and they've entered our tales. They've entered our holiday stories, and some of them are so fantastical, over the top, that in the attempt to, make, to show her respect, they make her non-human. So let's go back and see if we can find her. The real Mary. The Gospel of Luke mentions Mary most often, 12 times. All of those mentions come from the first two chapters of Luke. Only he, among all the Gospel writers, ever writes about what Mary was thinking or what Mary said privately. And the only way he could have known that is by interviewing Mary, and that's exactly what he did. Luke was a physician, an artist, and a historian. And if you read his works, you will find he is very, very meticulous about where he was. And so in the book of Acts, you will see we going to they and then back to we 
as he joins and separates from Paul through the book, or Peter from the book of Acts. And in Mary, he sat down and listened to her. Uh, Matthew mentions Mary only five times. Only one of those is found outside the infancy narrative. And that's uh, in Matthew 13, where Jesus is called the son of Mary. We'll talk about that in just a bit. The son of Mary in an attempt to lessen his status. That's Matthew 13, verses 55 and verse uh, 56. And it's also very early in Mark chapter 6. The same story where his family are trying to shut him down. Not Mary, but the older brothers, uh, they were younger than Jesus, but oldest in the pack, had brought the family to kind of get a hold of Jesus because Jesus is saying crazy things and he's saying things which aren't approved by the priest in the temple and therefore we got to get him quiet. So they call him the son of Mary. Reading this passage without context, by the way, um, gives us a problem because it looks like he is just disrespecting his mother because they say they're here for you and Jesus turns to the people in the room and he goes, these are my mother and my brothers. Now, you need to know, Mary didn't lead that charge. Mary would have had no power because she had older sons and the older sons had assumed the power. Joseph is not mentioned anymore. He's not a factor anymore. So Mary would have been forced to come along with the family because we're going to get Jesus under control. His teachings and his story were bringing shame on them in their opinion. But Jesus said, this is my family. You are watching. You are our family. The same as we are Jesus' family. We take communion to solidify that and to remember who he is and who we are. But at the cross, it is very plain to see that Jesus never rejected his mother. Never forgot about his mother. He was taking care of her. Gospel of John mentions the mother of Jesus twice, but not by name. In the book of Acts, Mary is mentioned along with some of the brothers of Jesus in the upper room when the Holy Spirit comes. She was still with Jesus' group, not with the group that went against him, even after the, uh, the crucifixion. And of course, she knew about the resurrection. So, this girl from Nazareth, have we told her story yet? No. So let's do that. Culture shock. Young girls at that time period could be betrothed at the age of 12 years and 6 months. All right. Um, Young ladies right now who are looking at your dad about to say, well, then why can't I start dating? I'll explain. Back even at your great-grandmother's age, you could get married at 14, 15. It was rare even then. I don't care what you've heard. It was rare even then. But you could because why not? Uh, you, you already had cow 101. You had basic sewing. You were equipped with high technology of the day. And you and your beloved were going to be there and your parents are here and your aunts and uncles are here and cousins. You had a whole community to help raise you to adulthood as you were married. We don't have that now. That's long gone. And we don't mature as fast. 
in the American Civil War, the war between the states, I, I don't know what to call it down here, um, you had soldiers and powder monkeys and the like that were 12 and 13 years old. We don't do that anymore. But just be aware, it was a different world. But just because they were betrothed at 12, uh, 12 years and 6 months, or could be, doesn't mean that's when it always happened. And it doesn't mean that they went right into all that is involved in being husband and wife. In fact, uh, Mary was probably, from the words used to describe her in Luke in particular, and Matthew, was probably 13 or 14. And sexual relations did not normally begin until after puberty. We have no idea what the onset was back in those days. It is earlier today due to all sorts of factors. Things seem very strange to us, but this was a way of maintaining ties within families and ensuring the survival of families. So Joseph would be betrothed to this young lady and she would go to his house, but she would not be involved in physical relationships until after puberty. And that, by the way, had to be certified by the ladies so that the men did not take advantage. And then what did that do? Well, that now means our families are now linked and we are safe. We have mutual protection. We will feed each other. We will protect each other. And that's how they survived as tribal people with no real national uh, government, no army, no police force, no bill of rights. You survive by family group. So, and by the way, I'm not saying that, that you know, these were the rules. I'm not saying people didn't break the rules. There are always evil men. But in Mary's case, we know the rules were not broken. And what about Joseph? Well, I want you to be careful about Joseph because he is an enigma to us. It is thought, in fact, many people act like we absolutely know it, that Joseph was a lot older than Mary. Well, first of all, that would have been the tradition because men were normally not allowed to marry and make their own way until they were 30. Remember, Jesus did not leave the carpenter shop and start preaching till he was 30. Because that's when you could. You could now say, I can step away from the family and start my own life. So that might have been why some people thought he was uh, much older than her. Age difference wasn't all that important. It was the ability to protect and provide for your wife. That said, there were many times where the husband was in his 20s. There were two main reasons, though, why people assume he was older. One, other than convention, because he's no longer mentioned after Jesus turns 12. He disappears from the record with no explanation. And that has caused a lot of people to go, huh, he's not with the sons and Mary when they come in Matthew 13 and Mark 6 to get control of Jesus. And they don't say this is Joseph's son. They say this is Mary's son. By that time, Joseph has left the community thought. And he is only Mary's son. That, um, so how, well, if he was much older, he could have died. That's one of the assumptions. Certainly very true. You may not be aware of this, but as, as long in America, as near rather, as to 1930, a child born, the youngest child, generally by the time they hit 14, their father was dead. We sometimes forget it how far we've advanced in health, medicine, safety, hygiene, in a short matter 
of, uh, of years. It's just, it's astounding, really. That's one. But there's another that's more complicated. And that is, well, um, maybe he left. You see, he was Sadiq, Scripture says. Sadiq is a title given formally to people. It means a righteous man. Joseph, being Sadiq, had set to put her away privately. You remember this in the story? God said, don't do that. Well, Mary's reputation would never be good in the community. Never. Her own sons did not believe her story about how Jesus was born. That's very plain in Scripture. Until after the resurrection, not a one of them believed the story. And if they didn't believe it, and Joseph's out of the picture, then what do you think the other ladies and men of the community thought about Mary? I guarantee you it was nothing positive. And I guarantee you that Mary, when she was that girl and Angel Gabriel came to her, not much older than our girls who read, she knew that this was going to be a stain and a cross she'd have to bear forever in her life. Well, here we then come into two options. And the only one that a lot of people think is there is a Jewish law for the Sadiq. That if you marry and you even have children, and then you find out her story was not true. And there was uncleanliness back there. And that's a term <coughs> that the Levites fought to, um, to define. It was a real issue during Jesus' life as well. If there was uncleanliness, you had every right to step away from that family and start again as if they'd never existed. We hope that's not what happened. But he disappeared. One of the two. He died or this. And it's always sad whenever the best positive spin you can put on a story is he died. But that's all we've got. The Catholics also wrestle with, uh, with Joseph. <clears throat> because to solve a theological dilemma, sometimes we come up with an answer. And it's not just Catholics, everybody. We come up with an answer that causes two more problems. When you solve a problem and you cause more problems, that's a problem. They thought what was special about Mary was her virginity. Therefore, they hallowed it. And they lifted it up and higher and higher. Their priests cannot marry. Their nuns cannot marry because it's better to be chaste. Even though Jesus said from the beginning, God made them male and female and intended that they be together. They say, well, that's true, except for those who want to serve higher. Higher than that. Well, <clears throat> when early Christians venerated Mary, they weren't venerating her virginity, but that, they found another, later generations found another way to do it. Uh, they said that, well, she must have been conceived by a virgin too, because she, she couldn't be sinful. And then she had to be the mother of God, not just the mother of Jesus. But we have a problem. How can she remain a virgin her whole life when Jesus has brothers and sisters? So they say, Joseph, being older, was a widow and he brought those other kids in. Except that doesn't make any sense. There are no mention of any kids at the birth of Jesus. There's no mention of any kids for the flight to Egypt away from Herod. There are no mention of these mythical creatures. I've had people tell me, well, the same word 
for brothers and sisters there in scripture means cousins. And, and that's a perfect answer, except that it's not true ever, ever, ever. So I'm saying all this to say Mary was born into a story nobody was going to buy. And there were ramifications, some of which we can only guess at. And if he doubted her and put her away, maybe that's another reason why in Luke 1, the scripture says, when she heard the words of Gabriel, she was greatly troubled. I love it that near the end, she finally says, I'm your servant. It reminds me of John 17, when her son, 30 some years later, would be on his knees sweating drops as a blood and talking to God saying, take it away. I don't want to do this. And then the pause when the angels hold the, their breath and the universe starts to tremble, wondering what will come next. And then Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He sounded just like his mother. And for the same reason. She saw it coming. At her young age, she knew what this would do to her life. And I just, I'm blown away every time I read, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And when we read the Magnificat, that was a part that Janie Bell read. That's a prayer or song of Mary. We, see, we learn a lot. If you know your Old Testament, you know that that Magnificat should have like a dozen different uh, footnotes. Because she is grabbing prophecies. And she's putting them, she knows her scripture. And she is laying it out. Kingdoms and kings will be tossed aside. The poor and humble lifted up. The mercy of God will be extended over many. She saw it all coming. She was in a word remarkable. But she was also a marked woman. There's plenty of evidence in scripture that the common people did not accept Mary's story about how Jesus was born. All the way up to even Jesus' adulthood, men would stare at him in John 8, 19, for example, and say, we know who our father was. Have you ever thought about that? Because we always see pictures of Mary. Their Jews didn't do them because it was against their law to make uh, a representation of a living being, and so they didn't. But medieval people started painting the pictures. Iconists, uh, those who make icons, what do you call them? People who make icons. Uh, they started doing it 200, 300 years after Mary. And you will see back then, Mary came in all colors because the Orthodox Church was all over and therefore she was all colors. But then by the medieval age, all we see are, are super white young girls wearing baby blue with a white headband, glowing a bit, uh, and either blessing like this or in this position for two things, either to be holding the dying Christ or to be holding the baby of Christ. And that's a picture we get, but I keep thinking, do you remember a couple weeks ago when we saw the picture that, that Kirsten found for us and put up and we said Deborah, and it was a very lined face? That's what Mary would have looked like. Her hands would have been crooked fingers with calluses from hauling her own water, bringing in her own food, repairing her own house. 
Very much like the Samaritan woman, I'd imagine that some women wouldn't go get water with Mary. No wonder that in the book of Luke in particular, Jesus seems to be going along on purpose, finding people everybody else rejects and accepting them in public and eating with them, including quite a number of what people used to call fallen women. Jesus did not view them that way. And therefore, he was there for them again and again and again and again, which was a huge scandal to the religious community. Friends, if our Safe Harbor Church does not scandalize other churches, we're not doing our job because we've got to be like Jesus and see and accept and love the very ones that churches have not reached and do not want. We want them here. His own brothers... Some believed on him after the resurrection, most famously James. James, in fact, uh, they used to have a nickname for James, which was Camel Knees. Because after he believed in Jesus, he prayed so often on his knees, he had calluses, hard calluses. But he defended Christ's divinity to his death when he, were traditions told, and, and it might be history, it's almost, almost history, that he was killed in a riot when some of his own countrymen tossed him off the top of the temple to die. Following Jesus, I don't get why so many people think following Jesus means that you're going to be financially blessed, you're going to have great health, your kids will have straight teeth, that you know, the storms will just part and go around you. When in scripture, time after time, when God says, I'm calling you to my service, it was the end of life as they knew it. Do you remember Jeremiah? Chapter 1, God comes to Jeremiah and he goes, hey, um, I'm picking you to be my prophet in this place. By the way, Jeremiah wasn't even a priest. He had been training, but in the middle of his training, they were taken in captivity. So he didn't have any qualifications. And then Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah, I need you to focus so you're never going to marry and you can't go to parties. And Jeremiah, as a young man, is basically going, is this the right house? You, 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 you want to find somebody else? And God picks him. And if you read the book of Jeremiah and you read the stories about Jeremiah, he did not have one good day. Not one. Even at the end of his life, he said, you know, they were fleeing. And he said, don't take me to Egypt. I will die here. They took him to Egypt and he's out of history. We don't hear another word about him. He never had a good day. Mary had some days. She had that precious time with the baby, but she knew what was going to happen to the baby. We sometimes sing the song, Mary, Did You Know at Christmas? And it always gets me, it really does, the number of Christians that will hop on Twitter and Facebook and go, of course she knew. Haven't you read the Magnificat? She knew. People, there's a whole world of difference between knowing the facts and living them. You go through boot camp. Many of you have served in military uh, units of some sort or the other. And you know it's a lot different from there to getting shot at for real. It's a whole lot different. Training to be a nurse than your first day on the ward, isn't it? It's a whole lot different when you have to live the facts. She had to live them. And yet, the mother of Jesus shamed by the world, was adored in heaven. 
You want to know a secret? I need you to hear this. This world's always going to tell you you're not enough. It is always going to do that. I don't care if you have $100 billion, somebody's going to have $200 billion and look down on you. No matter what car you get, someone's going to have a better one. And they're always, 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 in particular, they jump on women. And I'm so sorry, ladies. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not womany enough. You're not strong enough. You're not thin enough. You're not young enough. You're not dressed well. You're not, they always go at us. And guys, they go at us too. You know, guys are getting flooded with um, you're not man enough commercials and take these pills to become more of a man and got a man up and you got constantly. But this little girl that nobody knew her name was highly esteemed in heaven. Daniel, who's going to be one of our stories in future. Young man, about the same age. He was around 12, 13. When he was taken, brutalized, castrated, left to survive or not on his own, but if he survives, he will be a eunuch and a servant in the house of the men who killed and brutalized his family in front of his eyes for the rest of his life. Daniel, near the end of his life, is weeping because he knows his people are in captivity and will stay there. He'd found a book. And the book of Isaiah had said they'd be in captivity for 70 years and if they repented after that, they could be, go home. And he saw no signs of repentance. Every, he had never had a good day. And then near the end of his life, an angel comes to him. Daniel, seeing him, collapses. He's not afraid of lions or fiery furnaces or anything. The, I know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he was around. He wasn't afraid of laws against prayer. He wasn't afraid of kings. But that angel, something about him, he went down to the ground and the angel lifts him up and he goes, Daniel, you don't need to be afraid. Here's the phrase. You are highly esteemed in heaven. Let that soak in. Well, what about you? You plain vanilla people. Hebrews tells us there is a great cloud of witnesses. That's what they called their the attendees at a sporting event. A cloud of witnesses. And they are pulling for you. They're cheering for you. Think of that. Don't you want people cheering for you? Doesn't happen a lot, does it? Nobody walks by your grocery cart in Kroger and go, brilliant. They don't do this. And if that's the most dramatic part of your day, you're not going to get applause. But God sees that you were kind, you were gentle, you were good. And the angels of heaven stand and applaud you. You'll hear it one day. For you are highly esteemed in heaven. Mary's story, just like yours, is full of pain, but also full of meaning. And the meaning is hidden from you right now. And that's on purpose. It's what God does. So my only advice is like Mary and like Jesus in the garden. We need to get to a point where we say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And look at Jesus and live our story. What happens when we get there? I, I, I do wonder, how'd that go when Mary entered heaven? Of course, we're going to get to know when we do. 
So we've asked Elizabeth Harold to come, who's a, a worship leader in a, in a different church. And we said, we know we can't get you there at the first. So she's already done her job. We've asked her to come and help us as we sing another song. And this song, by the way, is often sung as a presentation song, which means you sit there and listen to the pretty song. None of us want that to happen. We would love if you would sing with us as we imagine what it will be like on that wonderful, wonderful day.